This is the 261 Fearless Voices podcast, dedicated to fearless women around the world. Thank you for joining us today and welcome to the podcast version of our popular 261 Fearless Empowerment Talks. These talks are made in association with Adidas and streamed on YouTube, but we've created a podcast version, so if you prefer just to tune into the audio, you can join us right here. Let's dive straight into the latest Empowerment Talk, where we meet Catherine Switzer and Edith Zushman. Hello and welcome to the 261 Fearless Empowerment Talks. Thank you very much for joining us. I'm your host, Juliette McGrattan. Today, we're going to be looking at the topic of being fearless, stepping up and making decisions. Now, 261 Fearless is a global network which uses running to unite and empower women around the world. We're passionate about improving the health and well-being of women from all backgrounds and cultures. And we place a strong emphasis on using our global platform for education. So our series of empowerment talks features high profile, influential women in business, sport, health and leadership roles. And we talk to them so we can be motivated and inspired by them. Now, due to the corona pandemic, we're unable to meet in person. So we're doing things virtually today. Please bear with us, but I know you're still going to really enjoy listening and meeting our guests tonight. So I have two wonderful guests who are very well placed to share their experiences about stepping up and making decisions. And I'm delighted to introduce Edith Zushman, the co-founder and CEO of 261 Fearless. And she's joining us from Austria and Catherine Switzer, our iconic athlete and women's running advocate and co-founder of 261 Fearless. She's joining us from New Zealand. So with myself in the UK, we're truly demonstrating that 261 Fearless is a global network. So welcome, Catherine and Edith. It's lovely to have you both with us. Hello. Thanks, Julia. Great to be here. Well, I think it will be a good idea to start with some quick fire questions so that the audience can get to know you, if that's okay. Um, I'll, I'll say the question and then, Edith, if you want to answer first and then, and then Catherine, if you want to follow on. So first question, uh, where do you live? I live in Klagenfurt, Austria. And Catherine? And I live in two places, in Wellington, New Zealand, where I am right now, and also in the uh, Hudson Valley of New York, about 90 miles north of New York City. Fantastic. And Edith, what, uh, well, how did you get involved with 261 Fearless Inc? Well, I'm, I have the pleasure of knowing Catherine now for I don't know how long we know each other. We've been knowing each other. And we have been going back and forth about 261 Fearless, or let's say about her bib 261. And it, so one day I called her and said, hey, why don't we do something with 261 and offer running opportunities for women and uh, bring the joy of running to them. And so, yeah, one day we both were fearless and stepped up and said, okay, let's, let's uh, establish a global organization who empowers women through running. Fantastic. 
And, and for me, uh, getting involved with 261 Fearless came to me. I mean, there's the old bib number. We've all seen it, right? And what happened is, is that's the number the official tried to pull off of me in the Boston Marathon. And it um, suddenly people like you guys out there began writing to me and, and emailing me and saying that number makes me feel fearless. And I wondered why. And I realized it's because we've all been told that at one time or the other, we, we uh, couldn't do something or we weren't welcome or we're incapable or we're not athletic. And, and then we go and we run and we can do anything. And I told this story to Edith. And Edith says, this is really powerful. We've got to do something with it. And if we don't do something with it, somebody's going to steal the idea from us. And it was Edith and um, I and you, Julia, and women coming together. And we said, how are we going to move this forward? And instead of creating a business or just a movement, not just a movement, we decided to create a nonprofit that reaches out to women in an organized way with these community clubs, our group meetings, um, and really showing women how they can be empowered by simply putting one foot in front of the other. And it's been phenomenal what you know you all have done. It's been amazing. Fantastic. Another quick question, a quicker one this time. Uh, Edith, what do you do to keep fit, particularly if you can't get outside, thinking of our situation at the moment? Putting my yoga mat into the living room, do strength exercises. And I try to do a lot of rope jumping. Yeah, and me too. I hate rope jumping because it shakes the whole house. But honestly, what I do is I throw open the windows. Um, I try to get as much air and sunshine as possible, even though I'm indoors. Um, I'm lucky in New Zealand right now where we are not in lockdown, but I also have uh, little dumbbells um, or, or for you who don't have dumbbells, you can use um, like cans of, of food, like tomato juice. Um, and I do my circuit training. So I do do my planks, I do my bridges, I do my lunges, and I do my, um, uh, you know, other core work, but I do it really quickly until I get out of breath. So I just keep doing that until I get up a good sweat and keep moving. Perfect. You can do such a lot from the living room. Uh, Edith, your inspiration, our mentor in life. Well, during my childhood, it was definitely my grandmother who taught me to swim to be a proud woman or a proud girl. And um, yeah, showed me how I could travel, how to be self-responsible, everything like that. So she was an amazing woman. And today I would say the lady here on the call, Catherine, definitely. <laughs> Thank you, Edith, that's wonderful. Catherine, and for me, for me, my mentor when I, and were, were my parents when I was young. They insisted on raising me equal to my brother, and they told me that I could do anything if I tried, and they gave me every opportunity to do that. Um, later on, a 50-year-old mailman named Arnie Briggs, who helped train me for the Boston Marathon, a very simple, kind man, you know, great wisdom can come from a kind heart. But I'll tell you right now who my greatest inspiration is. Edith, I love you, but is my husband, Roger Robinson, at age 80 with two replaced knees, has trained him back, himself back into shape by starting with two hour walks and one minute runs, and now can run 10Ks in 54 minutes and does a two hour run. And he is showing me more than anybody what patience can do. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Edith, your dream for the future? A healthy and, uh, yeah, healthy world, world I would say. And um, 
women who step up and help other women to stay healthy, to stay in shape and show them what they are capable of. And my dream is to make this happen or the 261 Fearless and myself give something to this vision. Okay. And my, my vision is, um, and it's very broad sweeping, but it's, um, my vision is that every female on the planet has an opportunity to feel strong, valued, and free. And I think 261 Fearless can go a long way to make that happen. Thanks to all of the people listening today and the people on this show. So a slightly longer question. Catherine, um, can you describe an occasion in your life when you were challenged and you had to step out of your comfort zone and make a decision? Oh, absolutely. And everybody knows the story. I mean, it changed my life. It was in the Boston Marathon in 1967 when the official tried to throw me out of the race. People were screaming at me to get out of the race. The press were very mean to me. They were uh, right in front of me on a press truck. Um, I was scared. I was humiliated, um, very embarrassed. I thought maybe I had wrecked this big race. But I realized they really wanted me to drop out. And I realized if I dropped out that everybody would say women can't do this. So I had at age 20 to make that decision to finish the race. And I got so determined that I said I was going to finish it on my hands and my knees if I had to. And making that decision was so hard because there was so much against me. But um, I knew that I loved running and I knew that women had to have a role model to, to see that, that it could be done and that the world needed to know that women were capable. So that was my decision. I finished the race and it made all the difference in my life. After that, I knew that it's often hard to make a decision, but you have to make them um, and go forward with them. It was, it was seminal to me. Hmm. Wonderful. Edith, do you have a, a Boston Marathon moment? No, I'm sorry. I, I can't tell such a story, but well, I was quite challenged. I, I told you earlier, um, Catherine and I were going back and forth about, do we um, found a global organization or shall we, yeah, keep it quite simple. And then, yeah, I decided, okay, let's do it. And uh, we did it and, um, it was quite challenging because English is not my native language and everything is happening in English. It's a US based nonprofit. And yeah, um, I took the challenge. I agreed on the challenge and I'm really happy after four years in, in this business, we have really been able to create an amazing um, community with clubs around the world, coaches from more than 12 nations. And um, it's wonderful to see how it's growing. Sure, it's always a challenge, especially in these days. But um, I would say I'm very grateful for that, that I've got the opportunity to do it. And I can tell every woman, if you think you can't do it, do it. Good motto. <clears throat> Um, so, Catherine, just from your point of view, especially looking at the developments in the last 50 years, uh, what is it that makes you think that makes women afraid of stepping up and taking on new or a different role? 
Well, first of all, Juliet, I think women uh, traditionally, <clears throat> and many of them still, uh, have often been told they can't do it, and they believe that. So that's, that's, if they don't hear any other sort of reinforcement, you can't do that, then they begin to believe it, and then they're frustrated. And then, then the next thing is, is that they've had no experience to try um, and no opportunity to try. So they have no experience in making a decision, and then they have no opportunity to try. Um, and they feel then that, that they have the inability to, to, to take responsibility. Um, and they're also afraid if they do, that they'll fail and that they'll look foolish. Uh, so they back off and I don't want to do that. And then sadly, there's a whole group of women, I must say, who don't think it's their job um, and, and, and they won't. You know, that somebody else can do that. You know, that's not my job. Uh, and I'd just like to say this right now, you know, especially uh, in the world the way it is right now, is that we're surrounded by social injustice and adversity. And, and, and it's all of our jobs to combat that. We don't need to be nuclear physicists, so we don't need to be Olympic gold medalists to take up and, and take responsibility. We all have the ability to take responsibility in a small way, in our own little domain, our own little patch, our own little community, and with our own women, with 261 Fearless, for instance. If we can step up and take responsibility in that way, then we can learn to take the next step for, for a bigger challenge. You have to do it the first time in a small way and in a small community usually. And that teaches you to take the next step and go forward to take a bigger step. Um, I love the quote from Anne Mara Lindbergh in this wonderful book called The Gift from the Sea. And she said, you know, you can't change all of the whole world if you only have a sprinkling can. You can't water the whole world if you only have a sprinkling can, but you can water your own little garden. And that's what we need to also work on. Right now, the world really needs us. So I really would love to see women say, I can do this. Take that first step. Mm -hmm. Little steps. <clears throat> so Edith, um, you're obviously now working with women all around the world. Um, some of them are stepping up, but stepping up leads to having to make decisions. And it's okay people are sometimes happy to make decisions that's one thing but actually owning the decision and taking responsibility for that decision is another why, why is it so important that women do that and take responsibility for their decisions well it starts at home i mean mothers women are often mothers and they take over the responsibility of their child and or children and they make decisions for them and they are responsible right from the beginning and so women prove every day that they can do it and also take all the responsibility and they have the way for their kids so i think it's important to take this ability what women are able and show every day that they can do it also in other fields in business, in politics, in, in society, everywhere, that they just take what they have and use it, not only to grow up their child or children, also to, to do something for themselves and also for our society. And um, sure, women, or when you're a girl, sometimes you, meet somebody and they tell you you're not able to do that you're not capable to do that at one point perhaps you start thinking okay they are right but our genes say something different and we can 
make decision and also take over the responsibility responsibility like men do. So um, I think it needs somebody who pushed us sometimes above the or outside the comfort zone, and then we can do it. And I think it's important because if we want to be to have like <clears throat> women and men, the whole society on the same level and um, equality, when we talk about equality, I think that's the reason why we should do it um, and help other women to, to be fearless, to go from decision to take over responsibility, not only in their own household, in their own family, but also beyond, they can do it. And, and leading on from that, Edith, what, what benefit is that going to bring to the woman herself if we're asking her to, to do that and encouraging her to do that? What benefits is she going to get? Well, if you feel, okay, I made a decision, I'm, re I'm responsible for it, it gives you power. It gives you power over yourself. About, and, and this is then leading into empowerment. And I think it's also important um, if we want women to get to this point to provide them education because education is always the key to empowerment. So it's like a circle, power, empowerment, and um, yeah, they will, they will live their lives they want to live. Catherine, do you, do you have anything to add to that, that you know, the benefits yeah. of women I do I do and, and I love Edith's last line the most at, because in the bigger picture um, the benefits are the, that eventually you know you can do anything and you're free that's the biggest sense of power in the world and 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 you know to live a life that's free and be confident of your decision making um, and, and even if you're not confident of your decision making you, it, it's it's the feeling that I can do this I can do anything um, in the shorter term it's that one step gives you the courage to try the next step. Um, it gives you the courage to try. And that's really important because a lot of women don't even have courage. Um, and so if they take the next step, they increase their courage. And that opens their eyes to what they can do for themselves and their family, as Edith discussed, their life, their career. Um, if they if they can ask for a, a raise, they can and they can think about going back and finishing the education. Maybe leave a bad relationship, do be a better mom for their kids, whatever. And also for what they can do for society. And right now is a tremendous opportunity when we're in this incredibly difficult time in the world with a lot of adversity, a lot of um, enormous problems we could never have imagined. It's a wonderful time to step up and just take that first step. And, and Catherine, how, how can we? how can we help women to get that confidence how can we help them to feel able to step up do you think okay i think i think what we need to do is first of all show them friendship and show them trust um, and then give them tasks that that they can sh we can show them that will help make a project successful or help us with a cause give them the assigned task and then help uh, I think holding their hand is a little patronizing, but hold their hand through the process of showing them how to do this, give them guidance, praise them. I mean, in a way, this is what you do with your children. Here's the task, please do this, um, and then praise them. But then give them a sense, give everybody a sense that they're really, really needed, and that gives them a sense of self-esteem, and ask for their ideas. 
It'd be a, when you ask for ideas or you turn the project over to somebody say, listen, I know you can do this. What do you think? You hear astonishing things from people. It's amazing. But I think that also we need to value loyalty, build trust, and to be a good role model ourselves. You know, not just say, okay, you go do that. Be a role model yourself and show how you yourself pick up, pick up the responsibility and do it. But, but bring them along and show your loyalty and your kindness to them. Yeah, friendship role modeling, all really important points, aren't they? Edith, do you have anything, anything else you want to, to add to that, kind of how, how we can help women? Yeah, sharing experiences. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody has been in a situation where you had to make a decision and also take over responsibility. And when you're in this position, you think, oh my God, I'm the only one on this planet. Mm -hmm. But uh, being there for others and, and sharing what you have been through is really very encouraging. And I think the other very important thing is education. And this doesn't mean that everybody has to go to university or uh, graduate from yeah, university, whatever. It's just basic, basic things um, keep people informed and, and excited to learn and within 261 Fearless, we have some education programs for women where they can learn, where they can practice to decide and take over responsibilities in different levels. And this can help and uh, you grow with your failures and not with your victories. That's another poignant statement. <laughs> Um, and, and thinking about particularly about young girls um, and women, uh, maybe this to you again, Edith, what actions can we take now um, as a society that will make it easier for young girls and young women to become leaders in the future and, and make their own decisions when they're older? I think I can only talk out of my own history and these are role models, female role models. And mine was my grandmom and role models we always think oh those are the superstars or olympic gold medal lists and so on no those role models are either within a family or related to you in person and being a role model for your daughter for your niece for your grandchild for the the girl next door i think that's so important uh, number one, because they see you every day and they see your behavior and you are there for them and they can talk with you about their worries, their anxieties, whatever. And you can show them and take them by their hands. And if you go out, I just want to point out on, on sports. I think sports is a wonderful opportunity for young girls and, and women in all ages. Um, to, to learn and I got the gift to become a, a swimmer when I was in my teenagers and this was the one of the best life experiences for me and if we can provide girls and women the opportunity to learn within sports it's the best way you can do it because and also perhaps within musician or arts you also have those opportunities to learn because again you learn through your failures and if you have somebody there who picks you up and help you to reflect and move on i think that's what we can give the younger generation on its way 
So Juliet, I really agree with what Edith said about giving um, young girls, especially an opportunity for sports. It was my dad when I was 12 who uh, told me I should go out and run a mile a day so I could make this new team, this field hockey team in our high school. And I was only 12 years old and it was the running that actually gave me the, my sense of, of physical empowerment. I used to think it was magic, um, but the point is, is that Edith is right. It's the sense of movement and achievement of your the miracle of your own body that is phenomenal and important at a very early age uh, for every little girl. And then I want to also go back to the first thing I said about, you know, um, who, uh, where I came from and my role models um, being my parents. All my life, my parents said, we're raising you the same as we're raising your brother. We had to, we had same rules, the same tasks, um, same allowances and uh, we were held accountable to the, our chores and our jobs. Um, and that was really important. It was, it, we knew all along that we were both going to get an education um, and that they were going to be an equal education. So I think what's also very, very important is that every woman listening to this should make a, a pledge and a vow to give her daughter and her son every affirmation and an opportunity to participate and excel. Um, and I, I must say, fathers are an extremely part of this equation. And if we can bring men into this discussion and our husbands, our life partners, or uh, whoever we've chosen for partner, they need to be on deck with this as much as possible. Um, certainly, um, we cannot afford to give our children mixed signals. And I think it's really important when young boys are raised equally with a young daughter, a young sister, um, they uh, come to respect her and value her. Mm -hmm. And certainly um, I felt strong and empowered knowing that I was treated the same as my brother. That's very, very important. We both got disciplined the same too, I must say. <laughs> Yeah, there's a temptation, isn't there, to, to, to treat the genders differently. And Absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah. But we have to be very careful of that. Um, you know, what I love a lot now is the mothers who've been running. Uh, we're into our, probably our second generation, maybe even third, right, of children who have grown up to see mommy run. Mm -hmm. And what, they, what they're seeing is not only a mom who cares about her health um, and keeps herself looking good and, and is healthy and is happy, um, but she respects herself enough to take the time and do that and often tells her kids, sorry, you guys, I'm going away for 20 minutes. You're going to behave yourself. You're going to do the dishes. I am going to go and do my run. And I think that that command over your own time and your own presence is very, very important for children to see. And what about more mature women, Catherine? <laughs> oh, great. I get the old question. <laughs> You know what? I got to tell you, Julia, it's, it's not unlike children. Um, we need to uh, always be reminded that the more we do, the more we can do. That people listening should realize that staying active uh, and being social, uh, your life, your whole life, is the single, those are the single most important um, indicators of longevity and good health, is staying active, especially. Um, that tell us that we're valued, ask us our opinions, bring us in, give us tasks, hold us accountable, make us part of the team, um, value our wisdom, uh, ask us questions, ask us advice, but, but also um, be willing to share with us new things. We're not old fogies. And um, 
<laughs> and um, truly reminding us the most important thing, that it is never, ever too late to start. Mm -hmm. We have studies, and you as a physician know this, that the human body will always improve if it is stressed and trained. And I am meeting women now who are 65, 70, 75, who are only beginning to run. And they are, of course, improving because the body will improve. So we always need to be remembered physically, socially, mentally, uh, emotionally. It is never too late to start to be better. Definitely, never too late. And carrying on that kind of theme about the benefits of being active, um, Edith, what do you think it is about being active that then translates into helping you feel able to, to step up? Well, um, I think sports is such a wonderful metaphor for our whole life. So if you, if you're um, a team player, like a hockey player or a basketball player, you, you learn to interact with others and take over responsibility for your own decision. Because if you're not catching the ball, uh, or run your own structure and then the team will fail. And if you're a runner or a swimmer doing individual sports, you even learn stronger to take over responsibility for your decisions. Because if you don't eat properly, you won't be able to train. Or if you miss all the training sessions, you won't run on the level you are you 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 dream of so um whatever you do in in your training or in in being active you get a result and you need to take over the responsibility it's all you it's not somebody else uh, that is uh, commanding your body it's yourself and your behavior so for example if you run a race and it's hot and you don't drink you will probably get into troubles. So having also strategy and think it through, you can make a decision and then you're responsible for that. And it's, if you're not the winner, it's not the fault of your uh, competitors, it's your responsibility. So, and it's the same in life. So if you prepare properly, if you um, make sure that everything is in place and you have all the information you need to take a decision, then you can also succeed and be happy to take over this responsibility. So it's nobody else's fault. Um, it's yours if you fail. And it's also on the other end, and this is the good side of the story, if you succeed, it's your success. And this is so uplifting and get you to the next level. So the more you get out of sport, the more you can translate it into your daily life. That's what I, I've learned. And I hope I still have a lot of opportunities to learn through sports. What about, what about those women who, who would maybe be put off by the thought of sport and competitiveness and um, training hard? How, how, can, how can being active still help them? Again, oh, oh. <laughs> I have to answer that one. Yeah, let, me, 
I'd like, I'd like to answer this with a story, okay? Because okay, yeah. I think telling a story is a great example. So um, here is me. I trained my brains out for many, many years because I wanted to get better. I wanted to be taken seriously as an athlete. I also wanted to explore my body. I wanted to see what it could do. And then I had the opportunity to do my dream job, which was to create a global series of races um, that would get the women's marathon, I thought, into the Olympic Games, and it did. Um, and how was I going to do that? And I went around to 27 different countries um, and met with the federations of all those different countries to say that we were going to come to that country and organize a women's race. This is when it was sponsored by Avon Cosmetics. And every almost every federation in the world gave me a hard time. Then they said, you can't do that. The women don't want to run. It'll never work. And I had every single time I went in and talking to these old guys, and it was always guys who were running the, the establishment, and they were patronizing, and they laugh, and they thought I was silly and, and crazy. Um, and I would just smile and think, I ran 40 marathons, and you didn't. I won the New York City Marathon, and you didn't. And I just keep thinking that, and I kept thinking that. I'm saying, I'm stronger than this. And um, it made me so tough. It made me so tough. And I would smile and I say, okay, well, we're going to do it anyway. We'd organize the race. And of course, you all know the story that not just a few women came out, but the women emerged by their thousands. And we got the data and statistics from this um, and got the women's marathon in the 1984 Olympic Games. But really, it was my running and it was the, the um, patience, the determination, um, and the sheer joy of knowing that I had strength that got me through those many meetings when I thought, you know, nobody's going to, to believe me, but I'm going to push ahead. I would never have had the tenacity and the endurance and the persistence to do that otherwise. Uh, the other good part of this story is, is that in time, the, you know, the women, um, uh, I got a lot of women volunteers in these races who rose to the occasion. They would take on jobs. They'd never taken on responsibility either, but they knew with running that they somehow could do it, and they did. And then a lot of those women I encouraged to go ahead and become professionals. We paid them, and they began um, taking on, they would say, oh, I don't know if I can do this job. I said, sure, you can do this job. You Look, you just ran, you know. Uh, this race and they said well okay I'll try and they surprised themselves and from then many of them create became the first female race directors in the world and many of them created their own advertising and marketing businesses it was really really amazing and that's really because running gave us the strength to believe in ourselves um, I still want to add something on on to your question so I wasn't meaning competitive sports I mean, if it's really each single step you take, sometimes you really, it's hard to take the first step. And if you do it, you already got to one of your first goals and then you run further or longer or yeah, steeper and it's hard. And if you don't prepare you properly, it's harder so you take over the responsibility for that responsibility for that and i think what i've seen also especially through 261 fearless i've met a lot of women they said i can't do that and we told them try it nobody is pushing you just try it within your 
abilities. And they were, um, yeah, it was astonishing to see them growing. And um, it, these first steps and this for these first miles, they were able to run. It, it was like a marathon for them. Um, and suddenly they were able to change also things in their lives. And um, they said, I'm going to do that. And they did it. And they were very proud of it, even if they had to um, overcome quite some obstacles, which they thought they would be able. So again, you take the first step and you think you can't do it. And then suddenly you're able to do it and you can convert it into your life. So it, and again, you have teammates who help you over the one or other mm -hmm. obstacle. Yeah. So realizing you can do something you never thought you could do and then having that knock on effect into other areas of your life. And, and perhaps, perhaps either you, um, you want to tell us a little bit more about 261 Fearless. Well, well, both of you, I mean, you both founded it together. How does 261 Fearless help women to become empowered? We talked about power and empowerment and that kind of circle of positivity. Can, can you explain in what ways 261 Fearless is facilitating that empowerment and what opportunities it, it's giving to women? Uh, Catherine, perhaps, perhaps start with you. Sure, yeah. I mean, in a very broad sense, 261 Fearless is about empowering women through running. Well, that's very, very broad, and, that's, and it's also a loaded statement because of all the things we have just said, is that um, when we come together, when we run, we, we are transformed. We have the, this magic power of our own bodies, um, and, and we realize we can do so much more than we begin to take responsibility. But with 261 Fearless, it is wonderfully magnified because we are doing this with like-minded women and we are passing on our sense of empowerment and fearlessness to somebody maybe who cannot or has not been able to take that first step. And when they do, you know, we're all just thrilled it, it, because we know that it's going to go on from there and it's going to magnify. And, and then in the bigger sense of what I, and Edith now will explain on, on the educational programs and going forward, but what I want people to realize with 261 Fearless is that, especially now in this difficult time, okay, we, we have a wonderful community of women with whom we can share the secrets of our soul. It doesn't go beyond that hour a week. And we um, help each other. We know we have a support system. We have something to fall back on, even when we we only have running. So it's a lot more. It's like running times a million. And that sense of community is extremely valuable. Then I want women to realize that they too can form their own communities. They can grow beyond their own group, maybe form another group, another club. Maybe those clubs can grow to become businesses, nonprofit businesses. This is, it, we're very, very young. We have the opportunity for global growth in, a, in, a, in an amazing way to a world that really needs us. And women, um, our women are really ideally suited to step up, take responsibility, and think of a bigger vision um, in the organization that they can help, help us grow to their own benefit and to the benefit of society. That's what I would really, um, what I think is enormously important about 261 Fearless. Mm -hmm. Edith? Yeah. 
Edith, can you tell us, so that's the, the kind of the, the vision, if you like, well, not the vision, but the, the wider picture. What about some more of the, um, some information about the programmes or, or specific opportunities that, that are offered to women? So I would divide it in two big areas. The one is the education programs we provide. So from becoming a club director, so um, stepping up and, or, um, and establishing a local nonprofit, so becoming your own boss, uh, setting up a team and bringing the 261 spirit locally to the women. And um, yeah, it's, it's a business opportunity where we educate, mentor and support. And um, then more on the physical education end, we have our train trainer program where we educate women to become coaches and serve within an existing club and lead groups. Um, and then we also have additional um, education opportunities on a broader scale for the public to inform about women and health. I mean, there are still so many myths out there and we try to provide women um, more information, updated information about exercising, um, being physically active, what kind of impact does it have, for example, during puberty or um, when you're pregnant or after pregnancy? Or how does running or endurance sports per se affect um, the female body during menopause? All those kinds of things. And um, so that's the education part. And then there is the club network. We support the club directors in their doing, um, provide events where club directors, coaches can come together, exchange, but also the community per se. And these days, I mean, with virtual meetings, we really break down barriers and borders and bring women together from all over the world, from New Zealand till the West Coast of the United States. And it's wonderful to see women from Africa, Europe, Asia, United States, working together, talking together, running together and building up something really unique. And just yesterday we had our first virtual meet run because of the lockdown here in, situation here in Austria. And we did it together with um, our runner or our community in Switzerland and Germany. So we are closer together than ever. And this is what we try to force within 261 Fearless, providing those opportunities so that women can learn from each other, learn um, more about or get the opportunity to learn through this and create businesses and, and grow. Mm. Fantastic. Bringing women together, obviously, at a time like this is, is crucial, isn't it? I mean, we're facing challenges today that we've never we've never seen before and, and didn't expect. So what, why is it especially important at the moment that women are fearless and, and step up? Catherine, shall I direct that to you? Well, sure, I, and both of us should answer this question, but uh, Juliet, I think without a doubt, we are facing uh, one of the most chaotic um, times of our lives. Um, we, some of us had parents or grandparents who were in World War II um, and, but this is different. 
This isn't about nationality. This is about globalness. This isn't about race or gender. This is about people. Um, and we are in a crisis. And many of you listening um, have, have or will lose your jobs. Um, we need now to come together more than ever. And I want you all, especially the women listening, to realize the world can no longer ignore 52% of the world's population, which is women. We all need as human beings to step up and help combat this adversity. I think we need to look and talk to each other um, to create new systems of work, of income, of survival, of education, of play, uh, 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 of maybe even of love. I think we need to discuss this with each other. I think we need to talk to our partners in life a lot more and our business and we need to spend this time, if you're in lockdown especially, it's a great time to spend time, really good time with your children. Um, I think we're facing unpredictable and uh, amazing challenges. So what I'm saying, would like to say to everybody, this is not a time to be fearful. It is not a time to stay home and sit on your hands, even if you have to stay home. Um, it is a time to step up, to share with the community, to share with each other um, on how we can move forward together as a society to in a healthy and productive way. More and more, I see that 261 Fearless can play an instrumental role globally. I think we have the model. I think we have the people and the passion. And um, I really, really value everyone for their hard work, their dedication, and each individual of 261 Fearless. I, I appreciate, we all appreciate your activation and your ideas. Let's get out there and share them with each other and come up with ideas to move forward in a healthy and productive way. That's my, that is my message for today. That's a, a great message, thank you. Edith, do you wish to add? Yeah, um, just yesterday I found an article or let's say a statistic and this is very interesting. So this is, this is a statistic from Germany, but I would say it's the same all over the world, that women currently carrying the crisis in terms of making sure that life works here. So 76% um, of people working in a hospital are women, especially nurses. 73% um, in, in the food industry, supermarkets, are women. They are there that we can buy our food every day at the moment. And 93% of teachers, women, or people who take care of children are women. So they are carrying currently um, our society and try to make sure that our lives still function. So, women play really a very important role and this is also now time to be um, self-esteem and say okay i'm a woman and i can bring in myself and help to make this to get over this crisis and i think we see it in many um, countries where women also step up and take over the responsibility to lead a nation to be in politics, to help also in nonprofit organizations, in health organizations, in, in we can do it. And we have been proving this. We just need to be self-esteem and believe in ourselves to keep going. Yes, it's a quite 
hard and fearful situation when you stand there. And Austria just had the very first prime minister and she was asked by our president to take over the role. And she said in an interview, if the president calls you take, to take over the responsibility to lead your country, no matter if you're a man or a woman, do it, especially when you're a woman, because you're capable. And I was very anxious and I did it. And she proved she can do it and she did it really well. So, and here we go back, if you do that, other women look up to you and especially the younger generation. And they say, she can do it, I can do it too. I give it a try. And so what I want to give all the women, but also men on the way, or my message for today is, um, if you stay at this point where you need to make a decision to take over responsibility, leadership, whatever, first of all, take a deep, deep breath, take your time, and then decide and stick with it. Take over the responsibility. And even if you fail, the Nobel Award uh, Prize winner, all of them failed at one point, but they won the award and you can do the same. So be fearless. And we have currently our slogan, 261 Fearless Together. So nobody's alone out there. There's always somebody there. Um, where you can count on so women step up and take the opportunity. I feel like we should clap. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you both of you. That's um